Hello, welcome to episode 47 of Born to Thrive with Jamie Lee. I'm your host and coach, Jamie Lee. How are you thriving this holiday festive season? My go-to greeting is happy, merry, everything. Happy, merry, everything. Today, I have a special conversation that I'd love to share with you with a relationship coach. And if you are a human being, you are in, you are wanting to be in, or you may be just gotten out of a relationship. And in this season of merrymaking, relationships come to the forefront of our minds because we are reconnecting with loved ones, with family, friends, lovers. <laughs> My life partner and I have been together for 11 years and our relationship continues to evolve and our relationship continues to support me so that I can thrive and show up and coach and do the things that I love. Uh, Eric Meredith Gujan is a visual artist, musician, and a relationship coach. I met him at coach training and I was fascinated by what he does and immediately wanted to have this uh, conversation with him to learn more about what it means to negotiate and coach relationships because we do that all the time. We just don't call it that. (laughs) Eric lives in Brooklyn with his wife and two kids and in this conversation Eric and I explored how getting married is an exercise in interest-based negotiation, how relationships can have a purpose, and the difference between healthy and unhealthy conflict, as well as how people have different orientations around speaking or communicating and how those differences can cause misunderstanding and what to do about those misunderstandings. I have to say, this has been one of the most useful conversations. Uh, What I learned from Eric, I applied to my life and my relationship and immediately saw an improvement. So I hope you will enjoy this conversation and I will talk to you soon. Have a merry, happy everything. Until then. Hello, Eric. Hey, how you doing? How are you? Good. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining the Born to Thrive with Jamie Lee podcast. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah. So here's a question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear about a negotiation in your life or career that had the biggest impact on you. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this question and something that occurs to me is that uh that I think it's true that that when it comes to like very important decisions, especially one, you know, ones that have to do with other people or other parties, um like negotiation actually isn't my default. Uh, it's more, I, I try to actually be more in a consultation framework or headspace when it comes to things you know, that are actually very important. And so um, 
those yeah, can the... I just interject here and sure. Um, share? I define negotiation as simply a conversation where you're trying to reach agreement, but in reality, everyone has the right to say no. So, mm-hmm. yeah, consultation approach definitely makes sense, especially if you're trying to engage in a conversation, try to understand what people want mm-hmm. and help them reach an agreement. So do you feel that you've done something like that? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, it's funny, the first thing that pops to my, pops to, that comes to mind, that pops into my mind, is actually like the decision to, to get married. Ooh, um, that's a good one. Right. Um, and the thing that I recall most about it is that there was no uh, proposal dynamic going on. It was very much a mutual decision that we arrived at together after, you know, evaluating ourselves and our goals and our situation in our lives at the time. Um, And it was a very kind of, I guess systematic is the word, uh, approach to evaluating whether this was going to be something we were going to to do or not, whether this was a... So let me ask you this. Yeah. When did it click for both of you? When was it that you were both like, yeah, we're going to get married. It's a no-brainer. Um, it was almost not instantaneous, but it didn't actually take very long to get there. Um, we hadn't actually even known each other for, for very long. I think... The, the subject first came up after we had been going out for maybe three weeks or so. Um, wow. And I think that's because, at least for my part, that was always my orientation. Like that was the purpose of any relationship that I would be having, right? So, um, you know, I just wanted to be upfront about that from the get-go. And it was probably about three months in when it became clear that this was actually where it was going. So we already had a framework in place from the beginning of our relationship that this was the umbrella, like this was the, uh, um, this was the, the sphere in which this relationship existed. And then once it became kind of clear that um, we were basically on the same page about things like values and goals and, and, and guiding principles, um, from then on, that was, that was how we kind of evaluated each stage in our relationship, whether it was going on kind of according to these values and principles. That's really interesting you say that because the way I teach negotiation mm-hmm. is about getting clear on each side's shared values and interests. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're saying. You're saying you realize you shared interests and values and sense of purpose with your partner Mm -hmm. and so then getting married became a no-brainer yeah getting to yes became a no-brainer for you right so yeah that's like a very classic example of mutual benefit interest-based negotiation right right it doesn't sound romantic and yet (laughs) you know i imagine it's very fulfilling Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot that's, that's <laughs> I guess you could say, inherently unfulfilling about, about romance. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's, there's a difference between thrilling and fulfilling, you know. <laughs> so what did you learn from that? Oh, what did I, you mean, what did I learn from, from that experience of from the very married. beginning of um, a relationship? That's right. Hmm, what did I learn? I learned, well, I, I, I learned the value of understanding one's values. It's the so, value of understanding one's values. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you are a relationship coach, among many other things, like yes. musician, photographer. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious to learn how you coach couples, how you coach relationships. How is that possible? How do you do that? Well, it starts with um, having clarity on the fact that the client is the relationship. Oh. Rather than it being the individuals in the relationship. Like there's a difference. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we, we set things up with that, with the discussion of that being the framework, that being the orientation. And so that means we are treating the relationship as a living entity in and of itself. That's fascinating Mm -hmm. that a relationship has life. Right. It has life, it has goals, it has life, it has goals, it has interests, you know, it needs nourishment, it needs feeding, it needs education, it needs training, you know, all the things that an individual needs to, to function in a healthy way, a relationship also needs. And the two parties in the relationship um, are, you know, are the, are the parents of this, of, this little, of this little life. Huh. Yeah. Wow. And so I'd imagine that um, when there is conflict mm-hmm. and there's perceived conflict between two people, that's when, you know, pe- people have the perception that, oh, this relationship is at risk. Right. And I'd imagine that you have a way of differentiating between healthy and unhealthy conflict. Yeah, yeah. Um, One of the things that that helps to navigate that is, you know, going back to this this idea of of understanding uh, values. Mm -hmm. And so for the individuals in the relationship, encourage them to, to really take a look at the things that are important to them, what their goals are, what their values are, what their, their guiding principles in life. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, once those things are identified and art- articulated, then the two people can see where there are areas of overlap, where there are areas where they have ways of mutually assisting one another in the realization of those goals. And that's where the relationship lives. And so when conflict comes up, um, it can be much easier to, to resolve or at least figure out how to address those conflicts when you're looking at them through the lens of, of principle, of guiding fundamental you know, baseline principle and goals. And you can ask questions like, is what's happening in furtherance of our, our, our purpose or, or not? 
And if there are agreed upon purposes to begin with, then you can start to, to answer questions about, well, what are we going to do about it or how much, uh, how, how important is this point of conflict? Because there are some points of conflict which actually aren't as important as they seem once you look at them through, you know, the lens of kind of ultimate goal, ultimate purpose, ultimate value. Can you give us an example of that? Like what would be healthy conflict? What would be unhealthy conflict? Hmm. Healthy conflict. Um, let's take, uh, huh. I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, Sorry for all the dead air. Um, like, well, have we you get... seen an example where people, two people had conflict and actually brought them together mm-hmm. as opposed to further apart? Right. Well, there might be, the, the, like, the, the areas, I guess, that are most, that tend to be most volatile or, or most... Um, uh, impactful are things like child rearing or money or sexuality, you know, things that are fundamentally tied to our sense of ultimate security, right? Mm. Um, so let's say we're trying to decide where we want to live, where we want to buy a house, assuming that buying a house is something that, you know, is already an established goal. Um, one way to address that is to see, is to ask the question, where do we, what do we want our life to, to actually be? And while one party might be drawn to living in the suburbs naturally one 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 partner might be drawn to living in the city just as a matter of personal taste or familiarity you know where they grew up or whatever um it could be easy for the conflict to live there be Mm -hmm. like well this is what i want and this is what you want but if you say well what is it that we want our relationship to achieve in the world um if it is something like i don't know uh, a certain kind of service to the community or maybe it is focused primarily on a certain kind of uh environment for children then um the personal taste can take a backseat to the ultimate goals mm. right and if part of what you want in your education of your children are things like exposure to culture, exposure to different kinds of people. Um, uh, I don't know, vibrant and, and ready access to arts and museums and, and museums and, and, and music and things like that. Um, it might be that you decide, well, we're going to live in the city because we value 
these things more than we necessarily just value our personal tastes. Mm-hmm. Or if you value um, space, uh, a certain amount of quiet, a certain amount of uh, um, regularity and predictability and, and, and distance from um, the stimulation of the city, you might come down to, well, that's the thing that we value. And so we're going to, to make our home you know, someplace that has those qualities. And again, irrespective of, of personal taste, it might come down to that being a decision. And so the conflict is, is sort of mitigated by paying more attention to big value things than small value things, if that makes sense. I find this idea very fascinating that relationship can have a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like relationship, like you said, has life, it needs nourishment, and it can also have a purpose. Like, you know, as coaches, you and I help people clarify their sense of purpose. purpose. Yeah, right. And at the same time, a relationship can have a purpose. That's a really fascinating idea. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is that's how, once you're clear on the purpose of the relationship, that can help mitigate conflict and bring people together. Yeah. Um, So how do you help couples clarify the purpose of their relationship? Yeah. Well, the first thing is to introduce the idea of purpose in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in, in my experience, it's not something that people really are in the habit of, of thinking about when it comes to relationships. Like most of the time, I think, at least. Or even their lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah people don't even, you know, we think, oh, we just do the things that we're told to do. We have to do. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what is my purpose? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But even then, um, we're growing more familiar with the idea of of life having a purpose like that's not a strange concept even if an individual hasn't necessarily thought about that for themselves it's not too difficult to 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 wrap your head around the idea of you know the question what is the purpose of your life right um but when it comes to relationships um most of the time people experience it kind of as a almost in a passive way, it's something that is a result of feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I have a strong feeling about this other person. I want to be with them. And a relationship results from that. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that it is possible and even good, healthy and productive to, to think about the relationship as something that is more active than passive. Like what is the purpose of it. Like, what can it do? Mm-hmm. Not just what can it provide for me as far as a receptacle for my feelings or an environment for my feelings to exist in, but what can it do? Mm. You know? And some examples I give to sort of help people start to think about this is um, things, I mean, the, the obvious one is, is um, family and child rearing. Like, the purpose of the relationship can be an environment for raising children. Yeah. Or the purpose of the relationship can be to, as an, as an engis, engine of, of service to the community. Hmm. Um, or it can be, or not or, but and, it can be um, a, a vehicle for our mutual development as a, as a way for the two parties to assist each other in 
their emotional, psychological, spiritual development. Yeah. And that part of the purpose of the relationship can be an active engagement in that endeavor, in that process. Yeah. If you don't mind my asking, I'm curious, what do you feel is the purpose of your relationship? Well, those examples that I just gave, I gave yeah. because those are the things that, that, that we've kind of identified as the core, as the core elements, the, the, mm. the core purposes. So when we are making decisions about things or when we are at an, uh, a, a crossroads in terms of um, deciding things or in a, in a place of conflict, we can look at those three things um, and ask what would be, what action would be in furtherance of those purposes? Yeah. And what was the process of you two, you and your wife, getting clear on that sense of purpose? Oh, gosh, it's been... Hmm. I, I think... Hmm. We've, been, we've been married for, for 26 years, so it's been a, a kind of a long, steady evolution towards this understanding yeah and one of the main elements in helping to guide us to 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 this point has been um our our faith our 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 religious orientation which is mm -hmm. the baha'i Baha religion and there are many things in the uh in the scriptures of the baha'i faith about about the question of purpose and about um, marriage and family life, which which act as is very useful guideposts in kind of evaluating these kinds of questions. So that's a that's a big thing, and um, it's also kind of a almost daily reflection on on our marriage as this living entity, um, and being in the habit of, of looking at it like, you know, like it's our first child, hmm. uh, wow. I think gives us a certain, a certain orientation towards, to, towards evaluating it and kind of drawing a picture of what we think it should look like and what That's our process should look like. Really yeah. interesting to me because I've been with my life partner for almost 11 years mm -hmm. and sometimes I feel like we can be each other's child yeah <laughs> but I hadn't thought about the perspective of treating the relationship that he and I share as our offspring so this is really interesting to yeah. me um, and I'd imagine that you know throughout this process of you reflecting and uh, you know using well not using but um, being inspired by your shared religion, that there were a lot of conversations, there was a lot of open communication. And, you know, you and I know <laughs> mm -hmm. that communication between two people in a relationship can be thorny sometimes. Sometimes it's like the person who was closest to you, you feel like you're not getting through to. Right. Because we're so accustomed to them accustomed to them being right next to us mm -hmm. uh, 
and and yet we feel like they are the ones who are not listening <laughs> or somehow we're not getting through to them even though they're always there yeah. for us and so um i wonder if you have some advice some tips that you can share with me and my audience who mm-hmm. are really you know interested in in improving their communication skills and you know my perspective is that communication is really is the language of leadership even in our personal relationships mm-hmm. is there a myth about good communication between two people in a relationship that you like to dispel for us well i hmm. one thing that we discovered and it was gosh it was probably 15 years into our marriage before we figured this out. Mm-hmm. Um, with, we were having a very, you know, common kind of communication issue. I mean, like, like you were just saying, um, where you're, you, you're talking to the person, but you don't really seem to be hearing each other correctly. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's funny how, we think of that as a communication problem, even though the people involved are actually very good communicators. You know, my wife is a lawyer and I'm an artist and, you know, communicating is what we both do as our jobs. Right. So we're not, we're not bad communicators. Uh, And yet there was something awry (laughs) in our ability to make ourselves understood to each other. And through a lot of, trial and um, I don't even know if it was error so much as, as uh, a lack of, of, of true understanding of a certain truth about ourselves. Um, we figured out that the thing that was happening was that we have a different orientation towards speaking, towards the act of speaking. Interesting. And this was not something that I was even aware existed. Like nobody told us that this was ever a thing. Hmm. But um, it turns out we we were able to figure out that for her, speaking to another person is a way of processing thoughts. And for me, speaking to another person, specifically her, is a way of relaying already processed thoughts. Ah. <laughs> See? And so we, we would have, you know, conversations about stuff. And at the end of the conversation, I would think that we were finished because for me internally, that's how it works. I think about things. When I'm done thinking about them, I speak. But for her, the end of the conversation wouldn't be the end of the conversation. And so the next day, she would sort of start in again on this thing that I thought was concluded. Mm -hmm. And that was very, very confusing to me because I didn't understand that she was doing externally what I'd naturally do internally. Yeah. Right? And because all this, she would perceive that I was not engaged or not interested or not paying attention because I wouldn't be saying anything 
in the course of this conversation about this issue that we were having, um, which she read as not being present or, 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 or being, you know, not aloof, caring, even. not caring. Yeah. 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 And so what was happening is we, what was happening is that we were actually misreading each other's behavior and mm. interpreting it through our own lens of what's natural for us. Yeah. Right. And so once we figured out this was what was going on, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to change how we do things, but it does change our understanding of what the other person is doing. So that means that, you know, going forward, I can have the presence of mind to say, I know I'm not saying anything right now, but I'm listening to, listening to you and I'm processing all of this and I will, you know, I'll get back to you with my thoughts when, when I have any. So, you know, I'm addressing, you know, my understanding of her reality so that she can be, you know, assured that I am there, I am present, even though I'm not saying anything, right? This and, is such a good conversation because, yeah. you know, it's, I really appreciate your perspective, the male, your male perspective, because yeah. uh, as a woman in, um, you know, a heterosexual relationship myself, I... I encounter very similar frustrations and dynamic. Yeah. Where I think I'm just kind of thinking out loud and expecting somebody to, to um, like engage and process. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My partner and, sometimes is impatient. Why haven't you already decided? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Why right. haven't you already made up your mind and told me what your decision is? Uh, yeah. So... And it's funny how, you know, people with these different, you know, orientations often wind up together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to, um, you know, make sure I'm not making some sort of gender um, assumptions. Not every woman, not every man is like this. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly there are, there, are, there are patterns to it, but I certainly have come across couples where it is the opposite, where the, the, the man is the, the, the out loud thinker and the woman is the, inter uh, the internal processor. So I have seen that too, yeah. Ah, uh, interesting. Well, this is this is really good information, I think, um, for all of us who have to communicate with people who process information differently, who have mm -hmm. a different communication orientation. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that. So, Eric, where can people learn more about you and the work that you do? Um, well, I have a site where I will very soon. Um, it's Eric. That's A-E-R-I-C dot NYC. So you'll be able to reach me there and learn a little bit about my, my coaching from there. Excellent. Yeah. Eric.nyc. It's, it's coming soon. Coming soon. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Eric, thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. And I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. And thank you so, so much. I really appreciate this. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.